Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with the scepter of the kingdom as we pick up in Psalm chapter 45, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Describing the king, thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips, therefore God hath blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee awesome things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies, whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it acknowledges that this was written concerning Jesus Christ. And as the author of the book of Hebrews is seeking to uh, show the superiority of Jesus Christ over the angels, he quotes this particular psalm showing that God called him God. For this psalm is inspired by God, and God in inspiring the psalm, saying of Jesus Christ, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. So in the New Testament, There are those that would challenge the deity of Jesus Christ, saying that it isn't really a biblical doctrine. In spite of the fact that in the first chapter of John we read, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In spite of the fact that Thomas, when Jesus said to him after the resurrection, Thomas, you want to put your finger in my hand? Go ahead. You want to thrust your hand into my side? Go ahead. See if it isn't me. And Thomas cried, my Lord and my God. In spite of the fact that Paul the apostle called him God, declaring that we look forward to the great appearing of our glorious God and Savior, Jesus Christ, it is pointed out to us in the book of Hebrews that even God himself called him God. For the Lord said to him, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. So... John, Paul, Thomas, all are willing to acknowledge him as God, and even the Father willing to acknowledge him as God, is good enough for me. I don't need the Jehovah Witnesses to come along, or Jehovah Witnesses to come along and say that he's not God. There's ample 
biblical proof. So inasmuch as this is quoted concerning Christ in the New Testament, we know we're on good ground as seeing the king as Christ. Thou lovest righteousness, you hate wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in the gold of Ophir, the queen of, of course, the church. Hearken, O daughter, and consider and incline thine ear. Forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy Lord, and worship thou him. How beautiful. Speaking now of this intimate, beautiful relationship between Christ and his church. Hearken, O daughter, consider and incline thine ear. Forget the world, thy father's house, for the king greatly desires thee, thy beauty, for he is thy Lord. Worship him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift. Even the rich among the people shall entreat thy favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is of rock gold. She shall be brought unto the king in raiment of needlework. The virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought, and they shall enter into the king's palace. Instead of thy fathers shall be thy children, whom thou mayest make princes in all the earth. I will make thy name to be remembered in all generations. Therefore shall the people praise thee forever and ever. Much, much that is there to just go ahead and come back to this one and read it and meditate upon it and, and just to see the beautiful picture of, of the bride of Christ, the glorious day when we are brought to him, unfolded for us in the book of Revelation. Chapter 19, invited. Now, the other groups that will be there outside of the church, the virgins bringing their, the companions that follow, a lot there. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea? Because God is my refuge and strength, I will not fear any kind of calamity that may befall me or catastrophe. Years ago, people were predicting that California was going to drop off into the Pacific Ocean. And people had visions of great tidal waves rolling down, you know, through into San Joaquin Valley and, and this whole thing being inundated in a tremendous flood. And actually, there were many people who moved from California as a result of these prophecies and some of these visions and dreams. Some of those that moved, it was good riddance. <laughs> California has enough kooks already. 
But a lot of people were, were really terrified because of these prophecies and visions of the, of the catastrophes and calamities that were going to befall California. And, and actually, <laughs> of course, it's really weird. They, there were, they, they, they had visions of, of this whole coastal area just dropping, you know, into the, into the Pacific. And they, they saw that from the San Andreas fault line, their visions from the San Andreas fault line westward here, we were all going to just, you know, drop into the ocean. And some of them actually had gone to the area of Wrightwood and had rowboats and ropes and everything else that they were going to, you know, if, if you could get that far inland, then, you know, they were going to tow you up the mountain and keep you safely there in the Victorville area and all on the other side of the uh, fault line. And uh, it was interesting. There were a lot of prophecies written about it and all back in the late 60s. There was, there was quite a bit of, uh, er, quite a few churches having doom prophecies and so forth, you know, that people were giving within it. And so, of course, they bring these pictures of, of people envision the destruction and catastrophe and they say, what are you going to do, Chuck? Are you going to move? I said, no. What are you going to do? I said, I'm just going to get my surfboard ready. And when that tidal wave comes in, it's going to have a wild ride, you know. Oh, no, no. It's serious, Chuck. It's serious, you know. And I said, well, if you want me to get serious, I'll tell you this. God is my refuge and my strength. He's a very present help in trouble, and I will not fear though the mountains be removed and cast into the midst of the sea. So what? <laughs> you know, if God is your refuge and your strength, you don't need to fear. People can, you know, come around with all kinds of doomsday notions and prophecies, but it doesn't stir me. It doesn't worry me. Now, I wouldn't blame God if he did shake California off into the Pacific. And I think he would be justified in doing so. But my trust is in God always. Now, I don't care where you go. You can't really escape. You can't really run from danger. Face it, living is dangerous. No matter where you are, you're surrounded with danger. And you can't really hide from danger. What you can have is the security of God, no matter what calamity or catastrophe may befall. Your life can be hid in Christ, in God, and thus secure. And if an earthquake comes and this whole place is leveled, and I end up under the rubble of it all, only thing that's going to end up under the rubble is this dumb old body. Me, I'll be soaring. <laughs> so because God is my refuge and strength, I cannot fear. Though the waters of the sea roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, for... 
there is something far more permanent than this earth and its uncertainties. For there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. In Ezekiel, in the description of the city of God, he speaks of the river that he saw that came out from under the throne of God. In the book of Revelation, we are told also about the river in the city of God. And on either side of the river, there are these trees that bear 12 manner of fruit, a different fruit every month. Tell me I'm not going to enjoy heaven. <laughs> the leaves of the trees are for the healings of the nations. This glory, there is a river. The streams whereof shall make glad the city of God. Now this is what those in the Old Testament were looking for. It said, These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but seeing it afar off, they claimed it, and they said, I'm just a stranger and a pilgrim here. I'm looking for a city which hath foundation, whose maker and builder is God. And we need to have a light touch with this world and realize we're just strangers and pilgrims. We're passing through, but we're looking for a city which hath foundation, whose maker and builder is God. There is a city with a stream, the river, and the streams make glad the city of God, the holy place of his dwelling, the dwelling of the Most High. And God is in the midst of her, the glorious city of God. And he is dwelling in the midst of that city. And I plan to be there. And if the mountains are removed and cast into the sea, I'll be there that much sooner. I'm not going to be here much longer at the best. Should we find glorious solutions for the world problems? Should we be able to solve our energy crisis, our economic crisis, our diplomatic crisis, and all of the other crises which we're faced with today? I'm not going to be around too much longer anyhow. But I'm not looking for a utopia here. I'm looking for the city of God, where God dwells in the midst of that city. That city will never be moved. <laughs> God shall help her in that right early. Now the heathen raged. This is the speaking of the tribulation period before the great establishing of the kingdom of Christ upon the earth. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Here is an interesting sweep. The Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob. It's sort of an all-inclusive sweep. The Lord of hosts, the host include actually the angelic host. Now, we are told in the book of Revelation, in chapter 5, as the angels join in to sing the chorus of the praise unto God, the song of praise for his worthiness to take the scroll, and it says, and a hundred million plus millions of angels joined in singing, worthy as a lamb to receive glory and honor and dominion and authority and might and power. So the host, vast host of heaven, the 
Lord of hosts, Jehovah of hosts, is with us. The Lord of hosts can be very remote from me. You see, that's, that's vast, that's, that's universal, that's way out here. And that can be quite impersonal to me. But he brings the sweep down and he says, the God of Jacob is our refuge. Now in bringing the sweep down to the God of D Jacob, now it's coming down to my level. The Lord of hosts is with us, but the God of Jacob is our refuge. Jacob was not the most honorable man who ever lived. He took advantage of his brother's hunger and weakness and traded a pot of red porridge for the birthright. Later, he disguised himself to smell and to feel like his brother, to go in and deceive his aged blind father in order that he might steal his brother's blessing. He so incurred the wrath of his brother that his brother found only one solace, and he said, I'm going to kill that rat as soon as dad dies. And he was just comforting himself with the thought, I'm going to kill him. And so Jacob, knowing that his brother was out for vengeance and blood, fled to his uncle. And there with his uncle, he began to manipulate the wealth of the family until Jacob, actually when he started back home, was leaving with most of his uncle's wealth. He was cunning. He was conniving. He was deceitful. And yet, God said that he was the God of Jacob. Now, I like that lower sweep because in that lower sweep, it includes me. If he can be the God of Jacob, he can also be my God. Because you see, I'm not the most upright, wonderful, gracious person who ever lived. I've had my times, but I really don't think I've been as crooked as Jacob. So the fact that God would sweep a little lower than me gives me comfort and gives me hope. The Lord of hosts, vast, universal, the God of Jacob, down to my level. Come behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. Now, this is talking of the kingdom age going ahead. First of all, the desolations. When we come back to the earth, we're going to see the desolations on the earth that result from the great tribulation period. I do believe that a part of the kingdom age will be the rebuilding process of the earth that has been ravaged during the great tribulation. Come behold the desolations that he hath made in the earth. But he has made the wars to cease unto the end of the earth. 
He breaks the bow and he cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. And so the glorious kingdom age where they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and they'll study war no more. The glorious thousand years of peace upon the earth as we dwell together in God's glorious kingdom, living together in that glorious age where righteousness covers the earth as waters cover the sea. Oh, what a glorious anticipation we have of that neat, neat time living on this earth rejuvenated for the glorious kingdom of Christ. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. Just be still. Know that God is going to work his purposes. The day will come. He will be exalted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Psalms on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Psalms 45 through 46 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD. And our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of The Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. As you reach out to those around you who are less fortunate to help, to strengthen, to supply, God be with you. And may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. What does the future hold? Is the end of time really near? When will the church be raptured? What is the rapture? Will we see the Antichrist? What about the Great Tribulation? Join Pastor Chuck Smith as he answers these and many more questions about the end times in his exciting book, Final Act. Now available in hardcover, Pastor Chuck gives great insight into man's final days here on earth. 
Joe Rosenberg calls Final Act a powerful, provocative end times primer. Tim LaHaye states this unique and dramatic treatment is both true to scripture and practical. Read about this exciting drama and get answers to your questions on world wars, the Antichrist, the Great Tribulation, the Second Coming, and more. For more information on how to order your copy, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org or call toll-free at 1-800-272-WORD. That's 1-800-272-9673.